Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future today. Josh. Yes. We're going to be talking about gas. Well, you know, I did have some beans for lunch, so... Well, let's avoid talking about that kind of gas, but if we have to stop this episode periodically, I'll know why. You know why. But the situation that really stinks right now... Yes. There's your gas pun. That's... It's really stinky over there in Eastern Europe. Yes. And that's not to make light of the situation. But we're talking oil and gas. Yes. The fuel. Yeah. Yes. That's what we're talking about. So let's kind of briefly talk about Russia and Ukraine, because that's what's driving the conversation right now. And first off, we did a dedicated episode, so we will link that very recently. We'll we'll link that in the show notes as well. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would listen to that one before you listen to this one, just to make sure you're up to speed on that. But essentially, Vladimir Putin has always believed that Ukraine has been or should be a part of Russia ever since the fall of the Berlin Wall and the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, which, as I remind Josh every time I say that, was a great year. Good year for you. Freedom was found for many people, and yes. I was born. And just the whole world celebrated. It was a great year. So Putin also sees Ukraine as a valuable buffer state between Russia and the rest of Eastern Europe for defense. You know, Ukraine kind of is in a pseudo-NATO world now mm-hmm. that they're getting a lot of support from NATO countries. The rest of Europe essentially is a NATO country, you know, society, and they get a lot of support yep. because of that. Um, well, that's a very big threat to Russia, and that is not so good. So... Putin sees Ukraine as that buffer between NATO and Russia, essentially. Also, he has a bit of a personal vendetta. Yep. Because his brother was actually killed in the conflict in Ukraine when he was young, and that's kind of been a thorn in his side on his view of Ukraine since he was young, essentially. And it made me think, you know, Putin has a vendetta. His name's Vladimir. Yeah, V. V for vendetta. So I'm going to throw in some quotes from the 2006 blockbuster hit V for Vendetta at the end end. that's going to kind of tie all this together. But the real question you're going to ask me, Josh, is what? Is how does the Ukraine conflict impact what we're talking about today, which is gas and oil? Talking about gas and oil. So millions of barrels of oil per year, specifically destined for Europe, travel through Ukraine. There's a bunch of pipelines from from Russia. From Russia, too. Yeah, Yeah. so that is obviously, you know, stage one. Mm -hmm. A lot of Europe's oil comes through Ukraine through pipelines, and that is significant. So that supply is under threat of being controlled by Russia, where they could theoretically then cut it off or do whatever they wanted, even though they wouldn't, because they can't make money if they do that. Now, just to clarify, when millions of barrels of oil go through the pipelines through Ukraine, they're not in the barrels when they go through. Correct. So just it's so a measurement. clear on that. It's a measurement. There's it's not a, a bunch of barrels that are being no. shot through the tunnels. <laughs> uh, yep. It's, all, like, can it's you all think liquid. of it like a bank, like the bank tubes? Yes. That's all. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 Millions of barrels. Yeah. Just They're going just flying by there. So that is what, that's one impact that we're talking about. Another one is that much of the world is discussing cutting off nearly the only economic power Russia has, and that's the sale and exporting of Russian oil. And this limits oil supply, which... If you didn't know, oil supply is already under pre-pandemic levels and demands above pre-pandemic levels. So there was already pressure on oil prices before. Right. The Slow Ukraine. that down. You said that really fast. <laughs> so just to clear. So now yes. we are above 
pre-pandemic demand. Correct. In other words, we want more oil than we had. Or in we the need past. more need oil. Yep. Use more yep. oil, which is normal because as your economy grows and everybody goes, you see that demand go up. But supply is, is below, below because we haven't caught back up through logistics on what we need. Through logistics as and well through as the, oil rig counts yes. are down, and we've just been under-investing, largely due to there has been a lack of incentive mm-hmm. from a governmental so perspective, yep. and, and for, from cheap oil, and from a governmental perspective to support oil drilling, really has not been a lot of incentive for oil companies to increase the rig count. Yep. So, so supply is down, demand is, is up. up. So what has that done for prices? Puts pressure on. Prices have already been rising yep. prior to Ukraine and Russia already happening. And then another aspect of this is, you know, through COVID and an administrative change in the White House, we've seen America go from an oil net exporter where we were energy independent to back to actually importing oil from Russia. No. We're importing Russia, Russian oil right now. Now we're going to get to it in a little bit, but we're currently, as, as Congress is looking at their sanctions for russia discussing discussing ways to pull back our demand for russian oil but as a point of reference the u.s imported 76.3 million barrels of oil from russia in 2021 it's a lot of millions of barrels yes that was nearly triple 2020 levels now 2020 was covid impacted heavily but still that's a lot of stinking oil it is stinking oil stinking oil gas joke yes so that's where we are that's kind of the state of where we are today okay Let's do a dad joke. Oh, I'm ready. All right. So I thought, you know what would be great is if I found a oil or gas dad joke to go with it. There's got to be a million. The problem is most of these jokes about oil and gas are crude jokes. <laughs> he took a big drink and he about spit it out across me, uh, across the microphone towards me. That was crude, crude jokes. jokes. Yes. But I do have one more. Yeah. All right. Because that was a joke. But so one large oil company has announced that they are going to produce fuel from insect urine. Do you know which company is doing that? Oh man, BP. B. <laughs> so those are my two. Those are my two uh, dad jokes. <laughs> that is so funny. So BP, BP is British Petroleum, right? Uh, no, it's BP. That's what they're using. Insect oh, urine. The other European oil company is Shell. Shell, right? Royal Dutch Shell, I believe, is the official name. They are still continuing to buy oil because it, Russian oil because they need to. Because it is, and it is so cheap. Oh, I'm sure. For it them. is so cheap for them. They're like, oh, I can't, I can't afford not to at this point. All right. So back to Russia and Ukraine. Russia currently exports about 4 million barrels per day of crude. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. They export that. Yes. So multiply that times 365, and you get Josh on your phone, oh, doing yes, this on the spot. Hang on. Well, get out your calculator. Second. Here we go. 4, Four times 365. 4 million times 365. Not a leap year. Is one billion four hundred and sixty million barrels. Yeah, that's a lot. Yes, rounded, rounded ish. If you so, don't count a leap year, that's a lot of oil yes. that Russia exports. Billion barrels. Now that is billion and a half almost. really hard to replace yes. in the global market. So Bloomberg, I was watching Bloomberg today, and as point of reference, because these numbers may move quite a bit when the, before this comes out, we're recording this on the seventh of March. Yes, but. As of today, Bloomberg was saying that a buyer strike from a bunch of agreeing countries on Russian oil mm-hmm. could limit two to three million barrels per day of that four million that Russia is exporting. Oh, wow. That's like a bunch. Yeah, that's half. This would represent 50 to 75% reduction in exported oil. Now, Asia, and specifically China, would largely continue as they were buying Russian crude because they don't really care. Yep. Even, you know, they need each other, economically speaking, 
because it's kind of them against the world, mm-hmm. right? So that's going to continue. But Europe currently imports about 30% of Europe's demanded oil from Russia. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. So I did some math because, okay. well, I'm a math guy. Yep. So oil demand globally is about 99 million barrels per day, right? So Russia, with that 4 million barrels, represents about 4% of global yep. daily oil supply. Yep. 25% of Russian GDP comes from oil. Okay. So if you cut that portion by 50 to 75% due to a reduction in exported oil, that's a 12 to 19% reduction in GDP mm. if such a strike, an oil purchase strike, occurs. So this isn't just a recession we're talking about, not even not a shallow one anyway. This is a very deep recession, one that will take many, 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 many years to come out of. It actually could cause the extreme levels of unemployment and drag out long enough in years that this could be considered a depression for Russia. Especially considering that's not the only sanctions being applied. Yeah, to there's them. financial sanctions yeah. that are also happening. So it is not a good situation for Russian people specifically. Right. So that's kind of what's happening there. Another thing that I wanted to point out is that until today, today on, like I said, March 7th is the first indication that we have gotten that Congress was even considering putting a ban on Russian oil imports. Mm -hmm. It seemed that America was kind of slow to react in that way. And that is because we're we're buying oil. We need oil for our demand. And if that supply goes away, what happens to the supply we have and the price of it? Yeah, and that's... It goes up. It does. And you can't quickly create more oil. It's no. not like, it takes Very a process slow. to get those refineries yep. and the oil from wherever you're digging them. If you even have a spot there already right. to go, it, it's not a quick process. Right. It's and, not like you switch. You turn and the switch. pipeline infrastructure yep. has really been hampered with administrative changes like we talked about. We're in a different situation, not necessarily yep. as oil and gas pipeline friendly. So moving oil even around would cause issues. So a little bit of a challenge there. But one component of our inflation story we've been talking about for a long time now is energy, and Mm -hmm. energy represents a substantial portion of our consumer price index is what we talk about a lot of times in this instance. Well, one reason the current administration may have been somewhat hesitant to cut off purchases of Russian oil is that that would cause oil prices to go up, which then could correspond to gas prices going up. Well, there's midterms coming up later this year, Yep, and as of right now, Betting odds are very much not looking great for re-election of Democratic Senate, Senate and House members. Right. The control for majorities. To for majorities. Based on so it looks stats. like both of them yeah. could flip red based on the betting odds right now. Now, betting odds have historically been more accurate than polls, but they're not perfect. Yep. So take that with a grain of salt. But the current administration is looking at these all different metrics and saying, wow, we really don't want to jack up inflation because mm-hmm. that's going to make our voting constituents even more unhappy that inflation is high because we are going to see now you'll you'll probably see this number before this episode comes out but february's inflation report is probably going to say eight something percent you think so eight something percent because we've had no reprieve in gas and energy prices and everything else was still pretty elevated so probably going to see an eight percent number and that is a challenge so let's talk about prices so oil prices started 2021 at forty-eight fifty-two per barrel. Yeah, mm-hmm. those millions of barrels shooting through the. That's tunnels. right. Yep. They ended the year at seventy-five twenty-one per barrel. Big increase. That was sixty percent increase. Okay, in a year, twelve yes. months. Yep. Beginning ended last year. <laughs> Today on March seventh, oil is now about one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel. Whew. That's another sixty percent increase from where it ended 
2021. Yeah, so you went from beginning of last year, 48, 52, to now over $120. Almost tripled yes. in, a, in 14 months, right? Yep. So that's a big move. So let's talk about gas prices mm-hmm. then, because this is what you and I are buying right now. Unleaded. I do not. I like leaded. No, I can't find it. <laughs> diesel? That's diesel. No. Yeah, we're buying. I don't drive a Tesla yet. I'd yep. love to. I, I'm buying gasoline for my motorcycles. I'm buying gasoline for my van. I'm buying gasoline for my pilot. I'm buying gasoline. Yep. So gasoline's what's hitting my budget. Well, let's talk about gas prices. Gasoline started 2021 at $2.57 per, yep. bar- per, bar- per barrel. Per barrel. Yep. <laughs> per gallon. Gallon. We're here. Gallons here. We're yeah. back to gallons. Yep. Per gallon at at the beginning of 2021, it ended at 361 yep. a gallon. So that's a 40 percent increase. Gasoline is currently averaging. Wait for it. Four dollars and fifteen cents as of today. Ouch. Per gallon on average nationally. That now we haven't got steep. fortunately in, in Finley, Ohio, we haven't got to the four dollar per gallon. It's mark. Close. It's, it's very close. Coming. Yes. I guarantee you're going to see four dollars per gallon per gallon soon. But that is already an increase of fifteen percent. We're seeing there. Yeah. So the question is, why are those not the same? Yeah. Why is crude and gas prices moving at very different paces? Now, they're both going up. Yes. But they're going up very differently. One of those reasons is that oil generally trades in the spot market. So when people are oil companies or big buyers, refineries, whatever, they're buying and selling oil. They're literally right buying and selling oil at the price it's trading at in the market at a given time. Yep. Gasoline... The reason that increase has been a lot slower is that gasoline largely trades in the futures market. So right now, gas companies or gas stations or whatever who are selling gasoline, they locked in their prices based on futures contracts months and months ago. They already have this obligation to get delivered at a set price from prior. So that's the disconnect. So let's just get that off the table right now. And that is kind of why those are happening. But what that also kind of means is that gas is going up And it's going to continue. Yeah. So So what it means is... When There's oil flatlines, wherever that's going to be, is gonna still sometime in the future, yep. they're trailing. So you're going to see, let's say oil, let's just say oil stops at 120 a barrel. That's where it's at right now. Yep. It just stays there. We find a way to find more oil, whatever. Who cares? Gas will continue to go up because yes. the futures market is playing catch up to this. Now, it's going to go the other way too, though. Yes. So when oil prices come down, yep. the gas prices are, delayed. are going to be delayed and they're coming down as yep. well. And that's how it's it works. the way it works. Yeah. So that is really leading us to the question, what's next? We kind of alluded to it before. Mm-hmm. Inflation is going to be higher for another month or two, probably, yes. especially in like, I think the peak of this inflation curve, because we're near it, we're really darn close to it, has been pushed down a month or two because of this energy shock we're seeing right now with fuel prices and gas prices, energy prices going up right now. So that is what we're going to see is another big inflation number or two or three. Or whatever. And what that's prompting the Fed to do, which they were planning on doing anyway, is raising interest yep. rates. Now, 25 basis points, though, that's, that's pretty what much saying. what we're having. Now, the question is, with these higher gas prices, because the oil market, that is impacted through, but gas prices is with the consumer. Yep. And 70% of our GDP is based on the consumer. Correct. So will higher gas prices actually put pressure on inflation? Because with paying more for gas, I'm buying less discretionary things or not? What is your opinion yeah, on that? It, I mean, so gasoline is a sizable chunk and fuel and energy is a sizable chunk of CPI, but it doesn't drive the ship. It's not the entire thing. Yep. So if gas prices and when, we're pretty much yep. assuming when gas prices get 
crazy. Maybe you'll see 450 a gallon. Who knows? That seems crazy, but Ouch. it's coming. Yeah. Something like that. When you see something like that, yes, your discretionary buckets are going to pull back, and that might sort of offset the decrease in the other ways because the increase in gas prices is going to be up still. So that bucket or basket, a part of the goods, is going to be high. But, yeah, you might not want to spend as much yep. as you are on, I don't know, movies. Well, so whatever. like an example would be, too, let's say I was going to do a vacation, but now I don't want to drive, so I'm going to go maybe closer to home, not a farther yeah. trip. So then that affects my spending on other things. So maybe I'm not going, you know, we're here in Ohio. I like to go to the beach. Maybe I don't go to the beach. Now I just do something more local. Yep. So I'm spending less fuel oh, yeah. and I'm not paying for the hotel or, you know, I'm just wondering if higher gas prices just deter other spending because they are going like, to, I'm not sure. going to go there. I don't want to do that. And don't even get me started on airlines. Oh my goodness. Because airlines, like, yeah, we use a lot of fuel for gasoline, but airlines use a lot of fuel for jet fuel. Yes. And jet fuel is up even more than gasoline is, and it's going up further. So that is why your plane tickets, if you're looking at traveling anywhere, going up are going up and are going to continue to go up. Now, I remember back in the day, fuel surcharges. Hmm. Do you remember this? No. You're too young. They charged fuel surcharges in certain travel stuff when the gas prices or oil was high. Really? And so like you'd pay, and then they'd tack on an additional extra cost for fuel yeah. because in a sense it was moving so quickly you may have bought your ticket six months ago and they had a hard time playing catch up on that to cover the fuel cost call me an old cranky man you're an old cranky man but i think surcharges when it comes to fuel surcharge or a whatever surcharge or a the credit card fee yeah when you line item it it makes me feel very like you've been very mad you get mad just put it in the price and i'll never care yep put it in the price i will never say wink i'll never do anything don't give me a special line item well i just think in 2022 we should have no more surcharges we should call them like ma'am charges or something because i mean it's about equality yeah it's about more surcharges that's right that is right so let's talk about more impacts of what's next so there's obviously going to be continued sanctions on russia yes the wealthy, the ultra-wealthy, Putin's friends, they're getting their yachts confiscated. And well, that's so sad. Their bank know, accounts just, yeah, stolen. It must seven be Seven or eight different airplanes. Yeah, it must be rough. Can no longer fly um, around. So that is definitely happening. But banks, obviously, money movements in and out of the country, mm-hmm. even within the country, being challenged. Yeah. In fact, I just saw today that Russia is considering using China's money movement technology instead of SWIFT, which is what they were using. Uh, China doesn't. China's not on SWIFT? Nope. I don't. Well, I don't that trust. They it. might be, but maybe they have their own. They have their on own the side. Yeah, it, it wasn't Western Union, but it was something Union. I think. Okay. Yeah. So they're Western considering. Union, they're just wire transferring <laughs> between the two. Uh, and then you know, oil sanctions are the are the yes. biggest thing here. So uh, another couple bits of fallout here is that Europe or the European Union specifically is planning to accelerate their green energy push to mm-hmm. limit their dependence on Russian oil. Now, yep. it's a little too late. <laughs> like that's great for twenty years. Yeah. From now. Yeah. That doesn't really work. Yeah. It's not going to fix your oil shortage right now or your energy shortage right now but maybe in the future you should have thought ahead on this hindsight's 2020 so an oil purchase strike from russia from europe is specific Mm -hmm. like coming like that's almost guaranteed at this point i would say that there is a potential bill as of today from the u.s on an oil purchase Mm -hmm. strike but it's not finalized yet but that could be down the road as well here's the ticket and this brings me back to v for vendetta I think that what we are about to see is revolution in Russia. 
because think about it. Putin is killing his people slowly. You know, their economy, they're becoming more and more isolated. Their wealth's being stripped away. Their economy's ruined. Their currency and markets have been slashed in value and all for what, right? Mm -hmm. For for nothing good for them. Yep. So they're going to get very desperate. They're going to become isolated beyond any belief as a country. So all for a personal vendetta, illogical and unwise, but happening anyway without the consent of the Russian people because, as we know, there's never been a fair election that put Vladimir Putin in office. I think he won the last election. (laughs) Sweeping. It was really, it wasn't even close. Uh, But lives are being lost as well, and Russian lives as well, as Ukrainian lives. And Russian people have close ties with people in Ukraine, and Ukrainian people have close ties with people in Russia. So it is a war no one wants. Yeah. So that's going to really anger Russian people. Yeah. It, there wasn't any kind of building hostility to this. It was it's a light troops switch. amassing at the border and then... Boom, we're invading. In. So you're right. So this, this it's is... It's a sad event. It's a sad event. Yes. But it's sure to light a fire yeah. under some Russian activists. And it's not a matter of if. It's probably a matter of when this sort of thing happens. But these Russian activists know that this action must not continue. It's continued for too long already. We saw it with Crimea. We're seeing it again with Ukraine. And they're not going to stand for it. They're going to demand change. And a couple quotes from V for Vendetta, because I think they're fitting here. One quote is, people should not be afraid of their government. Governments should be afraid of their people. I think that's fitting, because Putin is going to feel the wrath of the Russian people. And another one is, and when that day, and I say, you know, this is going to be a joyous thing for the world when Russia becomes more democratic. Hmm. So there will be some dancing. And V said, a revolution without dancing is a revolution not worth having. So that is where I leave you on oil and gasoline and Russia and Ukraine. It's a messy situation. It is. And I can make all the gas jokes I want, but it still yeah. is sad. And we're talking about the impact of oil. But again, that that's tiny compared to the impact on the lives. I yeah. mean, millions of people have fled. They're now... Yeah trying to figure out what's next. I mean, there's so the loss of life. It's yeah, But yep. the, re, the sweeping impact across the globe is being felt even now with, yep. with this impact. I guess a bigger question for you, Josh, yes. is how should someone handle their investments in this situation? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot going on, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changing, and that comes back to our concept always of having a purpose for what you're doing and sticking to that plan. Maybe some adjustments are needed. You know, you talked about different, you know, the energy market and what's going on, making sure that you're comfortable with the risk that you're taking, but also don't lose sight of that far-sighted goal because these all are temporary. We've had issues like this in the past. They're not great. There's tragedy around, but from a long-term investment standpoint, you can look at headline news around the world and there's always conflicts. And so, don't change your long-term goals and strategies for the short-sighted on the impact of oil, what it's doing. Right. Stick to the plan. Yep. Talk to your advisor. Yep. Now, that's really... Yeah. Do commodities it. fit? I know we've talked about those different things. That's really a strategy decision yeah. for your situation, and it, it's hard to say. But you know, in general, a diversified portfolio is where you are really ideally positioned yep. to weather through these unknowns and uncertainty. And a diversified portfolio is going to have some sort of energy exposure. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what's worked in 2022, it is energy. Yep. That's the only thing that's worked. Bonds have lost money. Other stocks have lost money. Energy is up huge because oil prices are huge, up huge, and that causes great profit margins yep. for energy businesses. Now, 
The question, and it's multi-billion dollar question, is how much of the good news of high oil prices and high demand and all this stuff has been baked into the prices of these stocks, yep. of energy stocks? And that is the question we don't know the answer to. A lot, a lot of good news, certainly, because they've gone up pretty, mm-hmm. pretty sharply. Is it all of it? Is it not near all of it? We, we don't really know. But if you hold a diversified portfolio, you probably hold some energy stocks, and that is a very good thing because they're doing very well for you right now when everything else is down. Yep. So, as always, check out our, our free gift to you. It's a brief list of eight principles of timeless investing. These are overarching investment themes meant to keep you on track, to meet your long-term goals. We don't talk about oil prices because they're pretty irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Um, when it comes to your financial plan. So check it out. It's free on our website. Josh, how can people help us grow this podcast? Yep. Make sure you subscribe to us. That way, every Thursday, you get our most recent episode. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And if you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, email us at hello at investmentdad.com. And then also, share this episode if you know anybody who loves gas. All right. Well, until next Thursday, have a great week. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.